Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. We are here at the start of season three of Breaking Bad, season three, episode one, No Mass. I probably said that wrong, but apologies if I have. Um, directed by Brian Cranston, uh, mm. written by Vince Gilligan. Uh, this episode first appeared in uh, March 21st, 2010. So we've moved into um, past the noughties and into the the teens i don't know what you call that but anyway we've moved forward a decade as as we um head into season three an all new season um time to get started on this one looking forward to talking through this one um my name is nick and um you can tell me i'm full of shit it's okay i don't mind and my name is ben and i'm not a criminal but no offense to anybody here who is <laughs> I don't think I am. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, you're on the Oz Network. Uh, <laughs> criminal offence to be on this rubbish. So I was going to say, know. is it a, cr- a crime against podcasting? <laughs> yeah, it is. God, how have we lasted more than a thousand episodes? Like, stop, stop listening, people, all right? God. Let us yeah. go back to not doing this crap. Yeah, yeah. We just haven't said anything offensive long enough, so, you know. It's I know. Kind of well, we've got time today. We'll get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, here we are, season three. It, uh, it's crazy to think that we're into a third season, a third premiere um, of, of the show already. Yeah, I mean, we're we're approaching the halfway point, are we not? Uh, we're, what, 20 episodes in? So, uh, yeah, we'll be at the halfway point of Breaking Bad in about 11 episodes' time. So. Yeah. That's um crazy to think, but yeah, I mean it's exciting. Like it's it's kind of always one of these things, isn't it? Where you know you're enjoying doing it, um, and you know the further you get along, you know what's to come. So, and the beauty of Breaking Bad, as we've said plenty of times, is this show generally gets better as it goes along. So, uh, it's exciting. It's it's yeah, we're here, Nick. We're, I mean, again, people are listening enough to make us keep making this stuff. So good for them. Yeah, and um, I I think probably what I like about season three is that. Um, as much as I like season one and two, they are very much kind of, um, you know, kind of building the world up and introducing us to characters and kind of slowly revealing the plot and all that kind of stuff. And it feels like we've kind of got all the toys in the sandbox now and we can kind of just really get into it. And um, and that's exciting. You know, we don't have to do too much setup of who these characters are, although we are immediately going to go into a setup and an introduction of a couple of new characters for the season. But um, but largely, you know, we don't have to kind of keep introducing people in this and, and all those things things we're kind of past all that stuff now and i always kind of like think of the season as kind of like that that comfy pair of slippers that you put on you know you've you've kind of worked your way into them over two seasons and now we can just have fun with it that's a good way of putting it all the toys in the sandbox too i like that i may borrow that for the future but um yeah i mean look i 
said to you a bit off air, and I think I mentioned this on some of our last couple of episodes, that I've kind of watched ahead a lot more, more so I think I just started doing it because I was enjoying it and you always enjoy the show, but it's also a case of I think I've only ever watched this through twice, so I feel like my knowledge needs to kind of come back a little bit. And, um, yeah, I sort of have watched all through season three and a lot of the time I'm like, oh, like, this is an interesting season. Like, I don't know how I'm going to feel when it comes to recapping this, but having now rewatched the first four episodes, obviously we jump ahead a little bit when we do these recaps. Um, you know, I've watched these first four episodes twice in the space of a week. And I think it, it clicks in your brain a little bit more about what, you know, I'm like, okay, this is what I need to talk about, taking notes and everything. And yeah, it's kind of, it, it, I like that, that element of it being comfy. It is that sort of stuff. I mean, we'll get to an episode in a few times where Jesus Christ it might be the worst thing about this show. But, um, and then there's this episode this season as well, which, fuck. Jesus, I don't want to get to that episode. Um, but yeah, well, I, I, I like quite, the sandbox. I'm going to steal that sandbox one, Nick. I, I think it's quite interesting in terms of like if you were to kind of plot out each season in terms of you know how good the episodes are. Is that um, I think last season was kind of like um, started at a reasonably high point with the whole grilled episode, and then kind of I think we dropped off a little bit as we did some setup, and then kind of slowly, slowly built up to those kind of last three episodes, which were really good. Um, whereas this one, I feel like it's um, you know, it kind of maybe starts a little bit slower and then like just kind of takes off, you 100%. know? Um, and so I think probably if you were going to plot them out on a graph is that that all looks slightly different. But I think this one probably has the kind of steepest trajectory of the first three so far. And we'll, we can probably kind of plot that as we go forward. So four and five as well. But yeah, I yeah. mean, I think it's just, it, it just has a different kind of structure, I think. Um, and I think it probably speaks to, you know, like we talked with um, season two about how tightly plotted it had been before they even started filming. Whereas, you know, Vince Gilligan was pretty honest that that didn't really work for the way they were making their show you know they they were kind of a bit more kind of I guess just on the fly um and so this one wasn't as carefully planned out and I think you kind of get that feeling you know and and sometimes that's a good thing it's not necessarily a bad thing um yeah and but I, I do think you can tell that maybe they didn't have all the kinks worked out before they hit go on this season yeah I agree with that and I think the one thing that I appreciate about kind of what we get 40s is that You've got some slow stuff, but as we've kind of talked about with Breaking like, slow's not always bad, um, and I think that I really am enjoying, particularly where I've watched ahead, kind of just really enjoying how both Walt and Jesse kind of transform. I mean, Jesse, Jesse's got some really interesting stuff coming mm. through. Like, I've always been a Jesse fan, but I think talking about him more like this has, has made me really appreciate him a lot more. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. We're, same with Walt. Like, you know, there's some interesting stuff around Walt and kind of his character and how he deals with everything. But, I mean, yeah. look, the, the one thing I'll say kind of moving forward and not to be super spoilerific is the fact that, you know, you know my love of Gus and Fring, but just, just the way he develops into what Gus does is just insane. It's so good. And uh, I appreciate that a lot more having kind of, yeah, watched ahead a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can, you, you know, like uh, Gus and Mike were characters and even Saul were characters that we in, were introduced to at the kind of tail end of the last season. And, and now we get to kind of really build on them. Um, and so I think it's kind of like, you know, the last season didn't have a big cliffhanger. I don't think it was kind of like a bit of a definitive ending, but we kind of go into this season and especially the first kind of three or four episodes are really kind of tidying up what happened at the end of last season and then starting to build those new characters that we were introduced to last season. So, um, and you know, we kind of get a few kind of flashbacks to stuff that happens that happened last season, you know, kind of into this one. So they are very kind of tightly enmeshed together as well. But yeah, I, I do really like where they take a character like Gus, but um, we, we can probably get started on 
on the actual episode because it's an interesting start to the scene where we kind of, you know, we, we've got this kind of cold open with, with really no information about what's going on or in kind of like this desert, you know, um, which is supposed to be in Mexico, but it was filmed in, in Albuquerque. They kind of found just like this rundown kind of deserted village type of area. And you kind of see this like really weird shot of this guy crawling and it just, you know, it's kind of like you've got no understanding of what the hell's going on. He's like crawling along the street and there's, you know, trucks driving past and people just walk past and pay no attention it's like very very odd and it's immediately kind of thrown you into what the hell is going on and then he you know he's kind of joined by all these other people doing the same thing and um and and then we see this like is it like a bmw or something whatever car it was that kind of drives up um flash car anyway uh, and and then the, the we're introduced to the cousins who are going to be kind of these um these villains for the the first part of the season at least and and um yeah they kind of just get out of this car you know pull uh, pull up next to it and you know get out in these nice suits and then just get down in the dirt with everybody else and start crawling and it, it's just you're really kind of thrown as to what the hell's going on here and um and obviously they kind of crawl up towards the shrine which i understand is actually a real deity it's not something that they made up for the show and it's kind of like you it, it's kind of like a, a bit of a difference from kind of maybe your usual deities of um basically you can pray for bad things to happen. You're allowed, you're allowed to pray for bad things to happen to somebody through this deity, apparently, um, which is exactly what these guys are doing. You know, they kind of crawl up to the shrine and um, they kind of light a candle and leave a photo of Heisenberg, um, which kind of sets us up that these two guys are going to be on the trail of Walt for, you know, the start of the season, which is, I, I just think like a really cool way to start this, this, um, this season. Um, you know, really cool. One of the things I really, really like about this scene as well is the kind of color palette that we've got, like this real kind of yellowy look, which was actually just a bit of an accident because apparently the day they went to film this, they kind of had rain or something or like it was really overcast and like they just couldn't quite get the color palette working naturally. So they kind of added this yellow filter to kind of make it look like really hot and dusty when it actually wasn't that day. Um, and then you've got these two actors who actually don't speak for the most part. You know, it's a, it's a non-verbal performance and one of them had, had some acting experience but the other one is brand new this is kind of the first time he's ever acted and pretty amazing characters to kind of just walk on especially you know with such little experience so yeah i love this opening scene i think it's really good it kind of sets us up kind of makes you scratch your head at the start but then you kind of get a bit of a feel that you know you get the basics here that basically these two guys are going to be after walt which i mean i have to ask the question is what what is the significance of the crawling is that because this is what you do when you go to a deity or is this just some yeah i mean i didn't really get that from the from from the actual stuff i heard on the commentary i think it was just like yes i suppose is the answer to your question without it being being actually said i'm going to take a guess that yeah that's kind of what they were going for there because it's it's weird like you see kind of people just going about their everyday lives like this is um normal so uh, i mean that's the one thing that but i love the way kind of when you first see the twins they kind of look at each other like okay and then they just get down and start yeah yeah crawling but um yeah i mean mexico obviously they have you know the day of the dead festival is very famous they have a lot of stuff around kind of uh morbid things and um you know i was lucky enough to see the day of the dead festival when i was there and it's it's just epic it's Mm. so epic the way they kind of embrace that um nick it's a mercedes come on now everyone knows it's a mercedes sorry jesus get get it right um on the show that's for sure but i'm glad they like you mentioned that yellow thing sort of a you know they kind of had to do it because like this becomes a thing now this is like whenever you're in mexico let's make the screen yellow. Um, and I know they, um, 
on the pitch meeting on the YouTube channel, if you ever watch those, they had the one for Breaking Bad where they basically make, they mock this going like, oh, whenever we go to Mexico, we're just going to make the screen yellow. And they're like, really? Is that how it is in Mexico? Oh, I'm going to call my friend right now down in Mexico. Hey, is everything outside yellow? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, And it's like, it's kind of funny. Um, Yeah, I love the twins. I actually, just before we started recording tonight, I was on YouTube and I watched a Watch Mojo Top 10 Breaking Bad Villains. And the twins came in at number three from memory. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're quite a significant pair, literally. But, uh, no, I like them. And kind of, you know, I've mentioned before about the lack of subtitles that will get a lot of this. It's interesting. I think season three, for some reason, I have subtitles available for me on the downloaded versions I've got. Uh, it depends on the TV I watch it, though, I realise. But um, I still sometimes just don't watch it with the subtitles because I'm like, well, no, I want it to be experienced that way. So, yeah, this is kind of like the sinister, like, is this the first time we ever kind of see that Heisenberg drawing? Sort of I think so. Hat? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll see, I think we see a few more times, don't we, moving forward? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Which so- I have to say, I saw that there was um, a street sign once in Hobart and it was like the speed bump sort of, you know, like, warning, speed bump ahead. Somebody had graffitied the Heisenberg face underneath it like that was his hat. So I thought that was quite clever. Well, um, it's really funny. I saw somebody, I think somebody tagged me at one time on Facebook where somebody had defaced a, a British banknote and turned the Queen into Heisenberg, which was quite cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think Heisenberg is probably, because it's quite an easy thing to draw, it's probably, a, you know, like something that's used as graffiti all over the place. So, yeah, it's yeah. kind of cool to get into this kind of, you know, he, we talked about like that transformation was kind of starting to become final at the end of last season. So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool to kind of see that imagery now being used. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about the the cousins i'm, I'm going to keep calling them the twins which is a mistake they actually are brothers in real life these two guys but they are cousins on the show which is slightly confusing so um yeah i'm, I'm bound to say the twins often but they are actually meant to be the cousins on the tv show which they, i mean they what, do look like twins so i mean it's, yeah, it's easily yeah. mistakeable yeah yeah, absolutely, and I mean, there's obviously a reason why they're the cousins, which we'll we'll get to in a future episode. But we kind of we kind of move forwards, and we, and we um, after the the um the title scene, we kind of get into these news clips, which I always love when they do this on a TV show. You know, these kind of like fake news stories, and it's all obviously about the um, the plane crash that we saw at the end of, of season two. Um, and you know, basically, this is this is for the benefit of the the viewers, right, to kind of give us some information about what's going on here. We find out there's a death toll of 167. We see all these kind of news papers just on the lounge you know like um you know kind of giving a bit more information about what it is and um i think this is the point where we see kind of jane's dad and we we kind of get the backstory that you know he shouldn't he should he have even been at work you know where they are responsible to send him back to work and so yeah we're just getting that kind of that kind of backstory and then it kind of that goes to to walt in the fire um in the fire and the uh, at the pool um you know flicking these matches which is a bit of a callback to um i think season one episode one when the pilot i think he does this uh, when he finds mm. out he's got his uh, his um, cancer diagnosis, and yeah, then we kind of get him. You know, he's obviously having these thoughts about his role in this plane crash because of what happened with Jane and Jane's dad and all that kind of stuff. And this way we see him kind of throw these kind of all this cash onto the barbecue and he sets it on fire. And within about three seconds, he's had, you know, second thoughts about this and, um, you know, immediately kind of, you know, decides he's got to throw it at the pool. And then he's on fire himself, which was actually a practical effect. It wasn't something they did with, you know, with any kind of CGI. It actually was Brian Cranston on fire. Um, and yeah, and then kind of him, jumping throwing the money in the pool and then jumping in the pool himself so it's kind of like this pathetic scene but i I really like it 
I have to say right now, Colin, if you've kept up in listening to these episodes, hello again. Um, Colin loves people being set on fire. So he was <laughs> he was loving every second of Brian Cranston nearly burning to death. So um, <laughs> I absolutely love the news clips um, because I'm with you. I kind of like it when they do this in shows, but I appreciate it more when I think these are legitimate newscasters. Like they've just gotten maybe local Albuquerque newscasters and just given them a script. Like it's kind of obvious sometimes I feel when you kind of get like an actor or something to do it. Like not saying they're bad or anything. I mean, God, my job's easy. But like I, I think these are actual legitimate newscasters from the local area and it, it feels very realistic. Like this is the type of news you would see around this sort of stuff. Although having said that, I don't know if they're going to be that much of a dick to uh, what's his face. Like this is the guy who killed everyone basically. <laughs> um, so I don't know how like if that is, you know, quite legitimate. There are generally uh, moments in journalism where you have to use the word allegedly, um, you know, rather than that. I also like to, I do like how you see the, um, like the front pages of the newspapers kind of, you know, before Walt sort of seeing there. But yeah, I just love Walt burning his money. Like, why not? And then, ah, falls into the pool. Um, and, oh, yeah. you know, like standard thing we all do, right? We just burn, I mean, we make so much money on the show, we just burn it. That's every right. Day. Yeah, we don't need it. Yeah. I, I love kind of, um, I, 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 it wasn't on the um, the commentary for this particular episode, but I have seen stuff about this show, about the kind of um, the legalities of having fake money on TV shows and movies. It's quite interesting. Like they have to get all sorts of government approval to even print fake money. Really? Um, yeah, wow. yeah. Like every note has to be accounted for, and because you know it can easily be kind of counterfeited or whatever. Right? Like it, it does seem like it's just like can they just not print it and it'll be obvious it wasn't real money? But yeah, there is like a real thing about it. It's it's quite fun. And there's like a little documentary. On the DVD about the scene, um, which was which was really fun to watch. Which was basically just talking about the practical effects element of this, and basically, you know, Brian Cranston having to wear these kind of like big hands that kind of and you actually see them in one of the shots it's quite obvious that he's got these big enormous hands which are like gloves that cover his real hand and a you know kind of latex or whatever it is and, and covered in and kind of this you know that flame retardant gel basically and um and so yeah like just talking about the practicalities of that effect and um you know the bit where he jumps in the pool like as soon as he hits the water those things go all floppy and so he's got like these giant like almost like um like um, dishwashing gloves on his hands then he kind of has to like there's a scene there where you can see him he's got like his hands under the water and behind him because basically if you could see it it would have been obvious that they were fake hands and um, like kind of on the blooper reel they've got this thing where he kind of like brings them up after the shot finishes off and like screams at like these these, these floppy hands it's really funny like it's, it's, I'm it's watching really now. I'm trying to see if I can see oh, I can see the hand now like when his arm's on fire yeah. that's very obvious yeah. actually I haven't watched it but I've seen on YouTube a few times it comes up with recommended clips of Breaking Bad bloopers and like I want to watch it but at the same time i don't because i don't know if it's going to ruin any like major sort of scenes moving yeah, forward yeah. because it, it does that when you watch um blooper reels sometimes like i know um the nip tuck ones there were so many scenes in nip tuck which i just could not think of the bloopers basically <laughs> watching the scenes well and just one other thing about the scene which um I, i'm sure the hardcore fans will will scream at us if we don't point out but obviously the the book of matches he uses to to light the uh, the barbecue on fire is uh saul goodman's matches the better call saul matches so yeah um nice little nice little uh, connection there to saul I, I like sort of things like that. And I, I'm, I'm wondering with all the merchandise and everything you've got from this show, like I was reading recently, if you go to Albuquerque, you can buy rock candy, blue meth, which <laughs> why wouldn't you be able to do that? But um, I want a Better Call Soul notebook, uh, match book, thing of matches. So I feel like if I've got Albuquerque, Nick, I'll, I'll, I'll get you some merch. 
I'd like to have one of them, and I'd like to have a Biff Tannen um, auto <laughs> customization book of matches yeah. as well. Those would be the two I'd like. Who wouldn't? That's um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Quite, quite similar characters in some ways, although I love Saul Goodman a lot more than Biff Tannen. Yeah, who doesn't? One of them went on to become president <laughs> of the USA. The other is still on our TV screens. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we carry on, and the next scene we've got here is Skylar at the divorce lawyer's office, and um, you know, she basically, you know, maintained to like she kind of says to the lawyer um, that you know she's go- she's going to move it or she's moved out, and the lawyer just basically says, no, no, you want to be the one that maintains residency in the house, and Skylar wants full custody of 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 the kids, and. Um, and, and basically, you know, she's not sure of his finances. So I think the lawyers here is just picking up on the fact that, you know, there's something more going on here that um, that Skylar's not telling, but um, she's not prepared to to tell her yet. Um, so, yeah, I think that this is just like a, a little setup scene that Skylar has kind of carried on from the end of last season that there's no kind of forgiving Walt at this point. She's um, She wants to move out. So, yeah, I think this is kind of just a, a, a pretty simple little setup scene. We're going to see this lawyer again in, in future episodes. Which I mentioned last uh, season, uh, how there's just some random character that I just, I don't know why I like her, but I just love this lawyer. I don't know why. Like, it's got nothing to do with anything, but for some reason, I just love the way this lawyer just handles Skylar. Like, in, particularly, like, uh, sort of her last scene when we get her in a few episodes. Just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I just like this lawyer character. It's just such a random character for me to like, but <laughs> I just kind of like the way she deals with Skylar. But, um,. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's interesting because I mean this is really our first taste of Skylar, isn't it? Based on what sort of happened, you know, with the big cliffhanger last season with her leaving Walt or kicking Walt out, however you want to take it. But um, has Anna Gunn slight like I swear her appearance just weirdly changes suddenly. Like she kind of looks a bit different. I'm, like, I'm not trying to judge her or anything. It's just uh, I've noticed kind of in this sort of rewatch Ford that uh, like I don't know. Like is it just me because like I know she gets a haircut eventually, but like I don't know if she's just she looks a bit I, different to me. I, I think she probably and whether it's a deliberate thing or not, but I think she just probably in those first couple of seasons was probably dressed and makeup was like downtrodden housewife type thing for lack of a better term you know and I think probably this one now you know she's working and and you know there's a flirtation going on with her and Ted and so I think maybe she's just you know looks more glamorous and, and that's a deliberate choice of the of the producers and the and the costume department to do that um I, I would say nothing's left to chance on the show so I'd be very surprised if it's an accident but yeah I I, I agree she definitely does look different going forwards on the show because we really just need this physical transformation between her and Ted, because why wouldn't that be important <laughs> to us, right? Yes. Oh, we're going to get there. Um, so, yeah, we, we kind of have to, you know, Nick, we can just, just, we'll just stop. Like, yeah. happens, and and that's know. the end of Breaking Bad. We are no longer yeah. covering this because we just don't want to go there. Hey, look, if we got through <laughs> Sal Perry, we can get through anything. So, Touché, um, yes. yeah, yeah. So we, we're back at Walt's place and and this is where um, Hank arrives to, to give him a hand to move out. And, and Walt's out the back kind of fishing the last of the, the notes out of the out of the um, pool and, and kind of finds the eye and the, the filter, which is going to be something that's, you know, going to be referred back to so this is the teddy bear eye in case anybody had forgotten from the end of from last season um that we obviously had these shots of the eye floating into the filter and now walt's going to pick it up and it's just going to be a prop that keeps getting referred back to you know it's something that a lot too it gets used yeah, a lot yeah it does yeah. yeah it gets used way more than the teddy bear which i kind of had forgotten you know i thought the teddy bear was the main thing but actually it's the eye that kind of <laughs> keeps coming up over and over yeah. again um but you know like hank comes to help him and and, and kind of talks about you know this is just a temporary 
everything. It's uh, was there something, something about a managed retreat or something, and then you regroup or whatever he says, like something along those lines. Um, but obviously, the big point of this scene is that you know they're they're loading up the two cars, um, Walt's car and Hank's car, and, and Hank goes to pick up this big bag, and and Walt's really you know reluctant to give it to him. And obviously, this is the the bag that's got all of Walt's money, all this cash in it. And um, you know they have this joke here where Hank says, "What this is heavy? What's in it?" And what does he say? Like half a million dollars in cash or something like that. Yeah, (laughs) and you know, like just plays off as a joke. It's um, yeah, but it's one of those great things where you know, like again, we've talked a lot about how Walt is um, you know, so unassuming that he can do things like this and just nobody really pays much attention to it. Um, and it's just another sign of this, you know, and and you know, this whole thing. I think if anybody's kind of got this um you know, this criticism of Hank of not being able to figure these things out. This is the whole point is that um, what was so unassuming that you just never expect it. And this is just another example of it really. Yeah. I don't like, it's kind of, you pointed out kind of almost this trope of, you know, always oh, Walt going to tell people, Oh no, he's not like, I think this becomes the new one now, doesn't it? It's kind of like the Hank's got Walt right in front of him and Walt kind of makes a reference. Like we get the famous one next season of the, you got me like, you know, that sort of thing. And it's kind of, I, it just it becomes a bit of a trope with it. And I'm saying it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of it, it starts happening a lot more. But I do like that moment, the way it's just kind of so deadpan, like half a million in cash and just kind of like stares at him and then you just starts laughing at him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's 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 a little one of these kind of little moments where, you know, if this was a real life and they all live happily after, maybe they do live happily after, I don't know. Um, and they sort of look back and they're oh, remember that time? I could have caught you all those times out. Ha, 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 good times. Yeah, it's um, it, 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 it's a it's a good little setup. I mean, I, I really like the whole thing of like Walt's just there under everybody's nose and, and you don't see it. I think it's one of the things that makes the show work really, really well. Um, and I think, you know, it never really stretches beyond credibility for the most part, which I really like. Um, so, so yeah, it's it, I, I love this scene. I think it's just a, a, a good little a good little scene to kind of remind us of what the stakes are really. And then we kind of move on. We've got Jesse at this um, reha- rehab retreat type place, this kind of weird building and he's gardening, you know, putting these 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 kind of pansies or whatever they are. And I don't know if there's any symbolism of the actual flower, but he's not using any water. I might note, like you, whenever you plant something, you use water. But anyway, um, and and then we we've kind of got this um this kind of talk fest of like they're all sitting in a circle and this a really really irritating counselor is talking to them, um and you know just uh, and he like that's a, that's actually a, a um a compliment to this guy because he's meant to be annoying you know he's meant to be somebody that you want to he's got a punch self-righteous yeah 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 and he's meant to be like that you know um so that's that's not a criticism it's actually a, a compliment to this character but um yeah and going on about oh you know you should be here for self-acceptance. You know, it's this, this kind of just annoying speech and they're all sitting around in their kind of lime green shirts. Um, yeah. <laughs> you I, I, shirts, don't you? <laughs> it's just a, such a weird colour. Um, I do like um, Jesse's got this real kind of this new like just clean shaven look. Like he looks like, you know, like just because he's got – he's had a shave he looks like he's about eight you know like he just looks so young um so yeah which is the opposite in season four i swear once he shaves his head he looks like he's about 40 (laughs) yeah um i i I just really like it it's um it's it's a cool look for him and i i guess we're just setting up where jesse's gonna go so yeah i mean start of a season you know first episode i expect there to be some setup scenes and this is one of them really which i mean jesse really doesn't have a lot to do does he for a bit and but like 
I kind of don't mind that. Like, that kind of just goes into the... Because you, you need this from Jesse. Like, he's just literally gone through having Jane die and kind of, you know, getting really addicted to drugs and ultimately he's kind of going to those consequences where you're talking mm-hmm. about Walt, you, you know, feeling the guilt for the the plane crash. I mean, Jesse's ultimately going to blame himself too because of Jane and all that sort of stuff. So, like, it's... Yeah, like... I, you don't get a lot from him, but I think what you get is enough. Like, it makes sense to me that a character would be this way, a person would be this way. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> the therapist guy, like, it's it's not like a, oh, Ted thing. It's just like he's doing his job. I think we've all met counsellors, haven't we? Like, I mean, you know, yeah. they're just like, I, I get it. That's what they're doing. That's what they're there for. But what, what does he say? Like, who's here for self something or other and everyone puts their hands up it's like well you shouldn't be you should be here for this and it's like ah dude come on yeah yeah (laughs) yeah he's annoying he's meant to be annoying so yeah i'm I'm happy with it um yeah we kind of moved back to um the the white residents and 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 um the family's moved back and at this point and walt's not there i love this just kind of opening shot that we get which is from outside the house and we get this kind of um the wind blowing this this section of police line across the the road which i just just like a really nice transition shot um which just kind of sets sets things up and just reminds us of what's going on um so yeah we've obviously got Skylar Walt Jr. and the baby at home and this is where we get this kind of um, Walt calling in to just say good morning and tell them what his number is and um, and this is where Walt Jr. kind of races over to picks up and and, and and wants a ride to school so Walt Jr. is not dealing with this particularly well and I can't say that I blame him for this you know it's suddenly without having any context like this would be very very strange so I think um, the Walt Jr. character we get for the next few episodes is pretty spot on it's, it's pretty much exactly what I would have expected um and then just to chuck on the next scene as well as where we get kind of Walt back at his um, his <laughs> his Kirk Van Houten um, re- residence <laughs> that he's living, in, which is all I can think of. Eh, is the whole is the whole scene, the whole episode where Milhouse's parents get a divorce. Um, he, he should be he should be sleeping in a race car, but he's not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Um, so Walt's making a sandwich, and we kind of get this this kind of visual callback to the Crazy Eight scene where Walt's kind of cutting the crust of the sandwich, and um, and he gets a message on his phone which just says, um, "Polos, you know." Polos um, Hermanos, you know, the, the chicken place, um, and he ignores it. So, you know, at, the, at this point in time, he's not interested in getting back into the game. Um, so, yeah, that's our kind of initial setup for for this first episode, really, is where Walt's head's at. Walt's head is with what's going on with his family in these first few episodes. It's not in the, the whole drug thing. I really wish we had been counting the breakfast scenes because are, are we up to <laughs> like about seven or eight by now, surely? It's certainly a trope, yeah. Yeah, have you? Did you ever see the um, when Aaron Paul was on Jimmy Kimmel uh, promoting uh, El Camino? He kind of did like a two-minute recap or something of Breaking Bad. It's actually really funny, and like um, he basically goes, and then Walt's son he likes breakfast, and like everyone just like cracked up laughing basically. <laughs> so yeah, it was funny. Um, yeah, but Walt Walt Junior's got some good stuff. Like he, he he does some really good stuff early on in this season when he's like dealing with it. Because again, like as you said, you kind of understand it. Like it's going to be really interesting. Like with with Skylar because like yeah, with a certain storyline in a few episodes, I'm going to stop defending her. Uh, but like some of the stuff she deals with early on in this season, like again, like I feel really bad for her. I really, really feel bad for her because she's really been ganged up upon when, like, she kind of has a right, as we kind of went over last episode, uh, that she has a right to be this way. But um, I do like, yeah, Walt's little bachelor pad. Um, it, 
you know, being on keto is hard sometimes when you can't eat bread, but just watching this scene when he's having his jam and peanut butter sandwich really makes me want to have a jam and peanut butter sandwich. But I just, I love the, the skill he's like doing it. Yeah, like the whole chopping of the crust thing. Like it's kind of, um, yeah. Have we ever commented on the fact that these people are still using flip phones in like 2008, 2009 when this was like flip phones kind of went out in the mid 2000s, right? Or is this an Albuquerque thing where they kept them for a while? I don't remember when I was a bit of a late adopter to the smartphone thing, and I trying to remember when that was. I feel like I I got one in around about two thousand and ten, two thousand eleven, maybe it was when I got a smartphone. I think uh, I remember my first, like my first one was about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So okay, yeah. and I guess Grand probably, out. and I guess probably like even though we're we're th- three years and two and a half years into the show now, or whatever is like the whole of this entire show goes over two years, doesn't it? So this is yeah. probably technically like we should look at actually the timeline. There probably is a website somewhere that shows that to us because I imagine that we're probably only about six months on from. Well, what the baby gives us that information, doesn't it? So, the, yeah, we are. We're probably about six months on from from season one, episode one, really. So, we're probably still back at like two thousand and eight or something. So, I think it's probably stretching credibility, but not entirely. Um, it'd be good if we had a couple of characters on this who were maybe early adopters to the smartphone thing. So, uh, but yeah, they do all have those kind of flip phones. Makes it handy when they when they break them and throw them in the trash as burner phones. Yeah. Like and plus they're cheap because, like, I mean, I guess the burner phones are, are sort of cheap. But, like, I mean, I guess, you yeah, know, you're right. Like, it does make sense. And it's also, um, you know, when smartphones came out, they weren't exactly cheap. Like, I remember my mum got a, I think it, was, it wasn't even an iPhone. It was like an LG touch phone. And it was like, wow, this is weird. And then, like, I, you, first time you use it, like, oh, I don't like this. Like, this is odd. Like, you know, I remember when flip phones became a thing because it used to be the case where you'd have the little... um. They're like the Motorola's where the bottom talk bit came out. It wasn't like the whole thing flipped. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were yeah. like called the yuppie like phone or something like phone, that. slide yeah. phone, yeah. Yeah. Well, even the sliders. When sliders became a thing, I hated sliders. Like, I, I was always this one who hated them when they first came out and was like, oh, I better get on top of things now. So, I hated the flip when it first came out, got one. Hated the slide phone when it first came out, got one. Then didn't really like the touch screen at first, got one. And, I mean, what's the next big innovation of phones? Nick, are these those foldable phones that are they're trying to make take off? But uh, yeah, yeah, those things are ridiculous. Smartphones stuck around for a while now, so maybe this is the way to go. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels like you know. Normally, it's like that whole thing of you know when you see movies about the future, it's like everything gets smaller and smaller, and like smartphones have been the thing that's you know kind of bucked that trend, right? Of things now getting bigger. Um, See, it's always good to have small things sometimes. So uh, yeah, I don't know what they're talking about. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, and just one of the things to point out is that, um, you know, we try and bring up the what the, the episode title is all about. And obviously, um, this one is No Mas. I'm probably saying that wrong, but, but basically that Spanish translation of No More. Um, and I guess this decision of Walt to, to not take that call or, or, or answer that request to go to um, Los Polos Hermanos is kind of him saying no more he's not interested in and in being there at the moment and i guess spoiler alert we get a season uh, episode later on the season called mass which obviously means more um uh, so you can take what you want from that um we'll definitely get there when we get there but uh move on to this uh this next scene which is a pretty funny one i actually really enjoy it which is um in the school gymnasium and they're kind of having this you know like this feels quite real like if this had happened in real life you'd had this kind of plane crash this probably is the kind of thing that would have happened where like you know all the school students have to gather and the auditorium and talk about their feelings and um and you know and there's the guy who's like oh you know when this happens we should all just get an automatic a or whatever it is like <laughs> uh, yeah um the, the the girl who talks the blonde girl who kind of um who talks um 
and kind of halfway through the scene. That's um, Brian Cranston's daughter. Um, oh, really? So yeah, that's quite cool. Um, and it was quite interesting listening to how they made this this um, scene work because they only had, I think they said they had like two hundred or three hundred extras, and so they had had to keep kind of like moving them around the auditorium in order to <laughs> to kind of um, to you know make sure that whenever they had a shot, everyone behind whoever was in shot there had a full crowd behind them, um, which is really interesting. So it was probably a, a bit more of a technical challenge making the scene than you might think really um so yeah i, I think it's um it's a cool scene and I, I obviously kind of it centers around walt kind of like you know like this whole thing about um what are the chances of this happening and you know like it's such a low opposite you know chance of this happening and um you know it could have been worse you know it could have been so much worse and um goes on about these other plane crashes that have happened and more people have died and um kind of ends with him kind of going on about you know people move on you know life goes on for everybody else and um it, you know it's just totally off the mark like he just is not reading the room and um yeah i, I just think it's really it, it's like kind of like morbid humor but i find it really really amusing I appreciate how Taylor Cranston is credited as sad-faced girl. So, um, <laughs> good for her in her role as sad-faced girl. Yeah, I love that kid who's like, you're yeah, in college, like, if your roommate kills themselves, you, like, get an automatic A, so I think we should do that. Um, and then, then, like, I've actually been to a uh, school assembly or whatever they call them in the US uh, in America and, like, to be in sort of a gymnasium thing, and it's it's... It is pretty much exactly like this. It's crazy. Like, it's even in school, there's pomp and pageantry with America. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. Um, but yeah, I just love Walt. Like, yeah, Tenerife, two 747s. Do you know how many people are on a 747? Like, this is crazy. This is only the 50th greatest disaster in the history of the world. Um, and Tenerife, that's a, that's a true thing. Uh, if, you, if you don't know that, look it up. It's actually quite, it was like they, two jumbo jets based on this small island off the coast of Africa were stuck in fog. And then there was like miscommunication from the radio tower, and they smashed into each other, and uh, yeah, quite a quite horrific. But um, I love Carmen. Carmen, a couple of Carmen episodes this season, which I quite appreciate. Carmen, you know, she she does have an ass like an onion, but she's also <laughs> um, she's there's something about Carmen this season which I kind of appreciate. So bloody bloody Dean Norris has ruined that character for me now because I know. Like, the time she comes out, that's all I can think about now. It's just like, like we're just being derogatory <laughs> pricks, but it's like no, it was a line in the it was a line in the show. People, we're being funny. Come on. Um, w- one little um, thing, which I, I, I'm not sure that it really matters at all, but um, there is this kind of uh, this actual um, kind of air crash that happened, um, Aero Mexico Flight 498, which happened in 1986, which is a mid-air collision um, due to pilot error and the error of the you know so same thing with the with the air traffic controller guy, but the air traffic controller was called Walter White. Um, so yeah, just an interesting little tidbit which kind of pops up on a lot of the trivia. Just when you think about, yeah, yeah, but has has no relation to this, but it, it is just one of those things that keeps popping up. So I had to find somewhere to shoehorn it in. Well, I like it how I know I'm jumping ahead, but the way, I, actually, I won't jump ahead because I like Walt's little speech when he talks about it, and he's like, "They've got those tracker things that should like you know go on board." Oh, funny. Well, Walt's unintentionally funny this episode. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think um, that goes into next episode too, which is I can't wait to talk about how funny Walt is in the next episode. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Yes, he is. And I think like the start of the season is really like the most kind of Malcolm in the middle we've seen of Brian Cranston so far, I think. And what, what I find really funny about this is that obviously Brian Cranston directed this episode. So he, you know, he had every ability to, to make this character who he wanted it to be here within reason. And um, yeah, he kind of leans into that humor, which I really appreciate. Like, yeah I, I just you never you can never forget like just how comedic he is and he can really cut through tense scenes by being comedic in a way that actually sometimes can enhance the tension um which i'm definitely keen to talk about next episode so i'll save it for then but yeah he yeah. is very funny yeah yeah and there's well uh, speaking of jimmy kimmel there's another clip i watched i think they um they got like the whole cast of breaking bad on ahead of the the, the series finale and it's like it goes like half an hour but it's quite interesting and just just the chemistry between him and um aaron paul is just funny and, like he's just a genuinely funny guy like you just even in interviews he just yeah. you can tell he's like a comedic actor which is just always adds so much more to the fact that he's so good as being a dramatic actor but if you haven't watched that like just type in like the cast of breaking bad on jimmy kimmel and like it's it's quite funny. And uh, actually, the star of that one is Betsy Brandt. I didn't realize how funny she was. So, uh, yeah, quite funny. Well, I mean, he's he's got a very dry sense of humor too, which really appeals to me. I've got a similar type of humor, I think, to Brian Cranston. Um, he might he might be one of those people that goes on to my dinner. You know, if you're having a dinner party, who could you invite? I might want to invite Brian Cranston. I've been bumped then. Yeah, well, I mean, it goes without saying, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've already um, had me over for dinner, Nick. I mean, you're, the honor's already been there. That's yeah, the that's right. Yeah. Um, one thing we've actually not mentioned so far in the season, which now seems a good time as any to talk about it, is you know everyone's wearing these blue ribbons, which is obviously in memory of the people who have died on this plane crash and it's actually something that goes on for quite a while after this episode you know um i do appreciate that they kind of um the i guess the commitment to keeping that as as part of like people's wardrobes for quite some time to come on the show which I, I do like i like in all seriousness i yeah i like that too because like going back to the news reports like it's something like i mean we all remember 9-11 and you, you remember these big tragedies that are, that are a talking point for a long time and i mean you know, you live through Christchurch and kind of things like that. It's a talking point. And I remember Port Arthur, you had like the Port Arthur appeal and things that are going on. Like, they've got ramifications in the, in the real world for a long time. So I kind of liked even just a little ribbon that they kind of mm. have there. Like we joked on um, around 24 coverage and Colin, if you're still listening, you'll laugh at this. Um, that I mean, literally that season opens with a, uh, a plane being blown up. You know, hundreds of people die. But within two hours, they've forgotten about that because a US political candidate is about to be shot. So who cares about the hundreds of people? This this literal organisation, which is there to stop terrorism, they've literally just forgotten about a couple hundred people got blown up in an airliner over in America. Now, if right now a plane got blown up over the US, blanket coverage, like 24-7, it's going to be all over the case, particularly if it was a bomb, Right. Again, we remember 9-11. So, anyway, that was just kind of, at least here on Breaking Bad, they're a bit realistic by having a ribbon to pay tribute to these victims as opposed to 24, where within two hours, rest in peace, all those hundreds of innocent people that got blown up by a terrorist bomb, who cares? Well, it's also going to be kept alive by uh, Saul Goodman trying to make money out of um, yeah. victims of it for a while. But uh, yeah, but even and, like little random news clips you'll get on the radio. Yeah, in a yeah that's of right. Episodes, yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we kind of we're back with the with the cousins who kind of drive up to this this house in the middle of nowhere, um, looking very ominous and scary and kind of just no words are said they kind of just you know we've obviously got this man working on his truck and his and his wife and daughter are there and these guys just like 
drive up, walk up to this um, this um, clothesline and change into less formal clothes and, um, yeah, just just generally looking scary and ominous and um, walk up to this little girl who stand next to a goat and they put the, the car keys over the goat's horn and uh, and they walk off. So, um, actually, they weren't that scary at all. Um, but, yeah, I just, I just love kind of, you know, like just really driving home how kind of scary these guys are. Yeah, me too. And it's kind of... Again, it's just this setup, isn't it, with these guys where you don't know what the point is, kind of just, you know, we've seen them crawling, then changing clothes and just staring at a little girl and then all of a sudden moving forward. And this is where they leave the keys, like, as well on the goat's horn. Yeah, and it's just yeah. Kind of, yeah, which is kind of, you know, free Mercedes to yep. all of our friends. So, yeah, which I think, do we not, um, we come back to this this family, don't we? Or is it a different family? Um, I'm thinking ahead. I know there's a there's a certain family that we will have discovered in somewhere in Mexico, and I don't know if it's meant to be this family or not. Right, so, right, yeah. Um, and then we're we're back with uh, Walt dropping Walt Junior off at home. Walt Junior's very upset, and Marie's at, at the house, and uh, Walt Junior goes off, and is, is this where he calls her a bitch or whatever? And like just, at yeah. dinner scene, yeah, it's, it's uh, not quite, but it's no, nearby. Right, right, yeah. So yeah, and I mean, I like. I understand everyone's reaction in this scene, you know, like Walt, Walt Jr. is confused and annoyed. Skylar can't really explain it. Um, and Marie's confused as well because she she wants to know and she kind of is trying to use Walt Jr. to, to get the information out of Skylar. But obviously Skylar's not not going to not gonna say anything. So this kind of frustration really feels, you know, I, I can understand it. Yeah, and this is going back to my point where I was like, I legitimately feel for Skylar because, again, she's being painted out to be the bitch if she's going to get caught in this episode. And, but like, she's not. She's got a reason to be. But, but, like, at the same time, you can understand the frustrations from someone like Walt Jr., you know, who, who if this was your parents or anyone like that, you're going to kind of feel frustration if you don't know the truth, you know. And he's, what, only meant to be, like, 15, 16. So, kind of, you know, it's, it's understandable. And then, you know, yeah, Marie's, I guess, trying to be not like the gossipy sister what happened, but we're still trying to be supportive. And, again, I just, I just want to formally apologise to everybody who listened to our first season where I'm bagging out Marie because I'm really starting to love Marie. Like, I just I don't know what was wrong with me. Colin, you changed me. You, you, One thing you said to me about not liking Marie and all of a sudden I just appreciate Marie every time she's on screen right now. I don't know. There's some random shit with Marie to come. I forgot how random there's some storylines going forward in, in later episodes. But it's just, it's random, but it's kind of just silly. Silly Marie fun. Yeah, and I guess like the thing I keep saying about her is is that she is this the side character. She's she's a supporting character, so you're never really meant to care that much for her. She's supposed to enhance the characters of of others, and um, I think she actually does a really good job of doing that. Um, and you know, I th- I think that's one thing that. The, the producers of the show are very clear on is that they know who the spotlight should be on. They know just how much time to give to supporting characters in order for you to, to you know, have a connection to them without distracting or, or feeling like you're going too far off the rails. And um, maybe with a couple of exceptions that we'll talk about in a, in a few episodes time. Um, but, but, <laughs> but largely they get that mix just right. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't really have any particular issues with Marie. Um, I do have an issue with this bloody counselor again. So we're back, we're back with Jesse and we're having, sitting around the campfire talking about Seriously, this. Seriously, can I really interrupt you here? Like, you mentioned it before, but, like, don't you just want to punch this guy? Like, it's, oh, it's, it's not he, even his personality. Just, it's just, he's just got such a douchey look about him. He's, he's, got, a pun- like, he's got a punchable face, yeah. There's no two ways about that. It's yeah. only props to the writing and the actor because I'm sure yes. this guy is a great guy. But, like, he's, seriously? 
Yeah, oh. he's got kind of like, it'd be interesting to look at the timeline because he's got real kind of Steve Jobs vibes to me. I can't remember exactly when the Steve Jobs, you know, everybody thought he was the greatest thing in the world when that was. Um, but it feels like it was probably around about this time because um, he just has that look, I think. Um, obviously, he has a bit more hair than Steve Jobs, but, you know, the same kind of look, you know, and that same kind of smarminess, I think. Um, he doesn't even have a name. Sorry again to interrupt, but like I'm looking here on Breaking Bad Wiki, he's simply referred to as group leader. And he's yeah. in a fair few episodes. Yes, he's yes, got in yeah. at least yeah. five or six episodes. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And so basically we've got this whole thing of like he's trying to trying to force Jesse to have a conversation around this campfire and Jesse asks him if he's ever hurt somebody and to which he answers that he, he killed his daughter and they're after drugs or whatever. And my notes here, I've just put long story, this is a bit of a drag. <laughs> but basically, <laughs> basically like the key line here is that he says, you know, self-hatred stands in the way of true change. And, and you know, like, so he's basically, that's that's quite on the nose, but that's exactly what we're kind of, we're getting at here is that this is Jesse's story. Like if he wants to change and move on from what's happened to him, he has to forgive himself first. Um, and so that's that's the basis of it. So um, yeah, I, 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 I like the kind of, um, I, I guess the intent behind what he's saying, I just get a bit bored with how he's saying it. I'm just, I'm just sorry. I'm also looking up this actor because I, I feel he's familiar. I feel I've seen him in something. Jer Burns. I mean, he's got the name. Is that Jer? Jer? Jerry? With like, if that's Jerry, spelt J E R E, the guy definitely deserves to get punched. You do not spell Jerry with J E R E. Like, please tell me that's meant to be Jer or something like that. But um, no, like I'm with you. Like. Th- it's kind of, this is this episode to me. It's kind of like, there's just so much stuff you're watching. I'm like, what's the point of this? Like, this is, is this going anywhere? But like, it just kind of goes into that development of Jesse because it kind of turns it on your head a little bit. Like when Jesse's there, you can tell he's frustrated in the way he kind of like, oh, have you ever hurt someone? Like you're kind of expecting Jesse to be all like, oh, boo-hoo, what was me? But the way this guy just kind of turns it on his head and he's like, yeah, I killed my daughter. And you're like, well, fuck. Like, wasn't expecting that. And like, I'm kind of not the type of fan of these sort of storylines of, come on, son, you've been through something hard. Like, you know, turn your life around. Only you can make it better. Because, like, you know, that's not life, okay? (laughs) Like, it kind of, it's always made to be so easy. But, like, I kind of appreciate what they do with Jesse because it's done in a way where it's not like he just has the sunshine and lollipops and, like, moment and, like, he wakes up the next day, oh, how the world is shining. Like, he's still dealing with shit. But it's kind of just, like... I, I can't imagine if I was in a therapy session like this and I'm feeling very sorry for myself and it's all about me, that if all of a sudden some person just basically flat out goes, yeah, I killed my daughter. Um, and he's like, he's very graphic the way he tells it too, isn't he? That he's basically but it's also just- it's also annoying of like, you know, he's asking Jesse to open up and so Jesse's like, well, I've been through this thing. Have, you know, how can you relate? And so like he's he's just one of these dickheads who's like, you know, he's, he's always got an answer to everything. It's like, yes, I have, I have done something like that. It's like, oh, fuck you. Like just let Jesse kind of like just, just be – you know, like ha- have a bad experience. Like, why does your I, experience have to be worse? You know, just yeah, he just he's just irritating. And I, like I say, I he's don't meant disagree. To yeah, like I don't disagree. You're right because, like, I mean, again, ultimately, he is telling a story of like, oh, I did hate myself, but of course, I just moved on. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, I like. I like how it's told. Like he's not he's not sitting there with a smile and like, oh, I got over this and I did like he's got just a stoic like look to his face where he's kind of just blunt. Like yeah. I just it, it comes across as blunt. Like you, again, you're not wrong. He is a dick. He is, woe is me, I had a shit life, but I've overcome everything. Go me. But at the same time, it's just it's done in a way where 
I'm not hating him as much because he's just, he's blunt. He's just, he's graphic. Like, you know, birthday, cocaine, drugs, like, you know, like it sounds like a Friday night in the Oz Network. But yeah, um, I don't know. I'm I'm looking, he's, he's just one of these bit actors. He's been in so many things. Like he was... In Will and Grace, so I might have seen him there. He was in the reboot of The X-Files, so I might have seen him on that. Surely he's been in a Law and Order. I mean, let's be honest, everyone has, but I actually can't see if he's been in all... Maybe he's the one who hasn't been in Law and Order somewhere. But um, He looks like he'd be on Friends at some point too. I don't know, he just has that look about him. CSI. Well, yeah, Will and Grace is the closest. Yeah, maybe Friends. Um, I can't see Friends here. But uh, Grace... Okay, Grace Anatomy. No, done. No, don't care about you anymore, mate. Sorry. <laughs> right, well, let's, let's let's move on. We're, we'll we'll come back to this ticket, unfortunately. But um, yeah, and 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 the in the well, not unfortunately. Like I shouldn't say that. Like I say, I, the character's written in a certain way and acted well, um, and it's supposed to annoy me, and it does. So congratulations. Um, but we kind of move on, and, and Walt's back. We're in Walt's apartment, and um, he's examining the eye. You know, <laughs> looking at the eye. Um, and he hears a knock on the door, and kind of drops the. Eye. No, he knocks. He drops the eye, and then Skylar turns up. Sorry, get my uh, get my things in order, but. Uh, yeah, and anyway, Skylar turns up at the door and and, um, and hands him the divorce papers. And um, I, this is a great scene. You know, it kind of starts off with, you know, the divorce papers getting handed over and Walt trying to start to explain everything. And, and Skylar just kind of cuts him off at the knees and is like, you're a drug dealer. And it's great, you know, like because um, we don't have to beat around the bush anymore. You know, like this is a – there's no way – that he can get out of this. And so I love that she's going on about, oh, you know, what is it? Is it pot? Is it, you know, no, it's worse than that. And basically he just says, oh, you know, it's methamphetamine. I'm not a dealer. I'm a, what do you say? I'm a manufacturer or whatever it is that he says. Um, and and basically this gives her leverage. So she basically says to him, you know, that she'll stay quiet um, and if he signs a divorce papers, you know, so basically she's got a little bit of leverage over the situation. But I, I can't tell you what a relief it is to kind of have, this knowledge out in the open now that he knows that she knows, you know, like we don't have to, we don't have to dance around this anymore. Like everybody knows this. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really pleased. I think it's a great scene. It's, it's good that we're at this point where this is out in the open. So yeah, I, I, I just love everything about this scene. Yeah, look, I, I, I will say it now, possible nominee for a top five, just because it is, it is like you mentioned it, I think in the last episode about how, it's so unassuming you almost forget that it's in this episode and even the fact that I'd watched this like a week before I watched it again the other day, it's kind of you forget that this is the scene where Skylar finds out because it's just done so subtly. It's kind of like what I'm trying to say about the the douche nozzle jerk guy that you want to punch. Like it's just it's done in a way where it's like you're not expecting it. Like, again, I always relate to Dexter, but I, I'm pretty sure, spoiler alert if you've not seen Dexter, but when Deb finds out that Dexter is a killer, like it's done like, oh, dramatic, da, 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 she's finally found out, oh my God. Whereas this, it's just literally like, you're a drug dealer. And then basically you think he, because he kind of denies it at first, right? And then all of a sudden he admits to it. And like, this is the big, this should be like a huge deal because like he's coming clean to his wife that he's a drug dealer. So yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's great, well acted. Um, I don't think it will make the top five. Uh, but like again, in terms of if you, if you were to have a key important scene that is important to the story of Breaking Bad, then this is a scene that I feel does need to be in the top five. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a big unassuming moment and and very well done. 
Yeah, I think the thing too that I really like about it is um, is Anna Gunn's acting in this scene. I think, you know, she's kind of got these tears welling up in her eyes, but she's not getting hysterical or losing the plot. She's kind of just like, oh my God, this is what it's come to, you know? Um, and, you know, I, and I kind of like the desperation in Walt as well around, you know, like there's lots of different sides to this. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I think it, it is really interesting. Like, I think the more we get, we get into this in future episodes, you can see that maybe Skylar doesn't quite have the leverage that she thinks she does. Um, Oh, yeah. but, in the, but in this moment, I think um, it's really effective where she's basically saying, look, you sign the divorce papers and, and I'll keep quiet, but otherwise I'm going to tell Hank, you know? And, and so I think that that's really, really effective in the moment. So yeah, great scene. I'm glad it's here. And like, I, like I've been saying, I think, um, you know, you kind of get that thing of um, how far can you stretch the credibility that Skylar doesn't know about Walt before it gets too much. And, um, you know, like obviously we had that scene at the end of, of the last season and in the, in the, in the season finale where they have that confrontation, which is really great. And at that point you, you, you pretty much assume that she knows, but she doesn't, doesn't come out and say it. Um, she kind of just says, he says, I'll tell you everything. She says, I don't want to know. Um, and so here we've now kind of got the finalization of, you know, now she, she has, a, she, you know, kind of come out and says she knows and he's confirmed it. So it's all on the table at this point. And it's just, a, for me, it's a big sigh of relief because I think we're past the point of, of wanting to dance around Skylar not knowing. I think we want that stuff out in the open. I think it makes the show moving forwards a lot easier with Skylar having that information. I think, yeah, it's, it's good for the show, I think. Which, I mean, it's kind of ironic. Again, I always misuse that word. So people, please tune in and uh, message in and tell me off for it. Um, but like how we sort of brought up the fact that like that was the trope of is she going to find out? Is Walt going to be found out? And this is the episode where he does get found out. And now the new one is literally just going to be Hank always, you know, Walt's right there and kind of dropping references to him. So kind of from one to the other. But yeah, like you know, you're right. And like I and the, the point you made there too, like 100% right where again on paper, it's like, well, she knows now, so she can blackmail him. She can do whatever she wants. But again, it's it's not going to be that easy. And I, I like that. I like kind of the way this is played. Um, that that basically you think on paper again, she should be able to just go to the cops right now. But it's not that simple. So and, and that's yeah. one of the beauties of having somebody like Saul on the show, um, which we're going to get to in, in future episodes. So yeah, that he's going to he's going to make sure that we're able to leverage in in, in different ways, which is cool. But uh, move on to this next scene, which is Jesse kind of checking out of the rehab, um, gets picked up by Walt, and they kind of go back to to Walt's Walt's new pad, um, and um, basically it's just like you know Walt saying, oh, yeah, Saul's got your money, you can go get your money type of thing. So um, if there was any lingering kind of questions or tension that wasn't going to get his money, then um, that, that's all going to be sorted out. That's not going to be a problem here. And they talk about the plane crash. You know, we had that kind of you know, moment where Jesse gets in the car and there's the, you know, the windscreen smashed up that Walt hasn't had fixed yet, which is going to be a point in the next episode. Um, and, you know, you kind of get this thing of like Jesse talking about, you know that that Jane's dad was was behind what happened with the crash. In case there was any lingering doubts about that, that they they know, um, and and so yeah, and Jesse admitting he's the bad guy. And I think you know, like we've talked a little bit about how Walt, um, 
you know, through the first couple of seasons has kind of teetered on the brink, or at least we've thought as as viewers that he's teetered on the brink of telling somebody about what he's up to. And I think that might start to get replaced with him teetering on the brink of telling Jesse about what happened to Jane. You know, that is something that will kind of come up, I think, in, in future episodes if you think there's going to be moments where he's about to tell Jesse um, and then ultimately doesn't. You know, so I, I think that that's, um, you know, an, an interesting little um, dynamic that we're going to see between these two guys over the, over the coming episodes. But I, I do like like that you know this is one of those kind of rare moments where these guys aren't at each other's throats you know <laughs> like they're actually calm and, and they seem to be on on friendly terms which is quite nice yeah um and this is uh i, I love this speech that walk does like you often I, like kind of this father-son relationship between the two of them and like i feel you don't often think of them of having like a massive age gap but like this this to me just sounds like old man on stoop when it's like i'm so on top of this probably more so than you are frankly i blame the government like i just kind of love the way he kind of goes on there well there's those transponder things that just didn't go off um but like i love that line like i it's weird how i'm there going on about how i hate these like sudden transformations of characters but like the way jesse is here though like it's not like he's again just woken up and he's happy like He's kind of accepting kind of what he's done like because he uses that quote from therapy. But, again, I also put that down to the fact that Jesse is kind of one of those people who is influenced so easily by those around him that he's going to all of a sudden, you know, if tomorrow he, he falls in with a girl. Like, I mean, he's going to go to a fucking art museum to see vaginas, right? So, like, I mean, you know, that's because he wants to impress the girl. So, now he wants to impress a counsellor. So, he's going to be quoting things from douche not But um, I do – I like his line when he says, like, I'm the bad guy. And that's going to come back, is it, next episode when Walt kind of says the opposite. Like, it's kind of like this balance between the two of them, um, which I kind of like. So, um, yeah, and Aaron Paul. Can I just can I just take a moment to once again praise Aaron Paul? Because we, we all rightly praise Brian Cranston on this show. And we'll continue to do so every episode. And I know we've done a lot with Aaron Paul. But, again, he doesn't have a lot to do. But just even him just sitting there kind of with a blank look on his face, you'll destroy from what's happened to him. There's some stuff in the next episode which is just so heartbreaking with him. And he's not even saying a word. Um, so, yeah, props to Aaron Paul. The, the young yeah. six-year-old that is on our screen, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. And I think, you know, like, um, I think he probably has a lot more range. He gets to do different things where I think, you know, Walt is is, is kind of, uh, one note is wrong, but, you know, like a, the character is, is the certain way. And I think kind of um, the Jesse character does different things, which allows him to kind of move in different ways. So, so yeah, I, absolutely, I agree. I think it's it's great um, for Aaron Paul to be able to do something that he probably hasn't done a lot of on this this show so far. Um, so we kind of move on. We've got this, the next scene is, is Walt at Los Polos Hermanos and having a, a conversation with, with Gus um, and Gus basically makes him a deal that's um, $3 million for three months of work and then he's out. Um, so, you know, a very clear kind of finish point um, and um, Walt says no, um, which is, you know, probably not what you're expecting when you're watching this. Um, you probably think that's going to be too good of a deal to, to say no to, but that's exactly what Walt does. And, you know, like he, at this point, he's kind of, you know, very professional about it, you know, of like, um, you know, I respect you and, and all that kind of stuff and then you kind of you see Gus basically do the whole enjoy your meal changes characters shakes his hand and, and leaves um, so yeah I think it's just kind of setting us up again for as I said earlier no mask no no, um, no more um, is, is what we're dealing with here at this point in, in Walt's journey 
True story. I was actually offered uh, $3 million for being on Rob Has a Podcast for three months of my time, but I also <laughs> said no. I'm very loyal to this podcast, so <laughs> just uh, you're welcome. Um, but, again, like, this is where I love Gus because like, I just love just the way he is. You know, he just sits down, so calm, $3 million for your time, and then basically gets up and just walks off. Like, you know, no reaction, no nothing. Just so good. Giancarlo yep. Esposito, what a man. Um, but this is also, like, my opening line, the way Walt's basically like, you know, um, you know, I'm not a criminal, and uh, no offense to anybody here who is. <laughs> and, like, just kind of the look that Gus has got on his face. Uh, but even, like, his reaction when he's like, $3 million? And he's just basically like, no, like, I'm not going to do it. So, um, yeah, I just... I'd love to be at a, a filming of this scene. Like, just two kind of guys just are so calm and just, you know, like, even just the way he gets up and shakes his hand and walks off. So, yeah, so good. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it kind of um, it, it kind of just speaks to, you know, the kind of character that Gus is, is portraying, you know, as this guy who is, um, is very able to kind of blend in with the background. You know, that is the kind of character he is. Um, so it really just plays to that. I, th- I think it's really, really good. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is, it is really interesting to me to see where Walt is in this journey at the moment that he, you know, that whole line about, you know, I don't want to be a criminal. Like he's still in denial about what he's done, you know, and that's the thing about Walt is that he literally often, killed people. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he, you know, he, that whole thing I go back to that in, in my little book that I've got, the Breaking Bad book, and, and they ask Vince Gilligan to kind of give a one sentence description of each of these characters. And the one he uses for Walt is, you know, he's a, you know, he's a great meth cook, but he's an even better liar, and and he doesn't lie um, as well as he does to anybody. You know, himself is the one he lies to the most. You know, um, and this is a good example of that. Like he's lying to himself right here. Um, that you know, I'm not a criminal. It's like, well, you are. Um, I'm not so, a crook. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought of Walter White and, and Richard Nixon in the same thoughts before, but uh, it's not entirely out of the ballpark, that's for well, sure. It's, it's actually hilarious that um, one of the season four episodes I just watched, there is a Richard Nixon quote basically between Skylar and Walt. So oh, uh, maybe that's well, why I'm thinking of, I'm not a crook. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then we move on to our, our final uh, scene of the episode, and it's a, it's a doozy. Um, so basically, we're on this this truck, which is which is smuggling Mexicans across the border, um, and they're kind of all in the back of this this um, what's supposed to look like a farm truck with, um, you know, they're all covered by hay. So all these guys are just sitting in the back of this truck, and um, you see this real chatty young guy kind of talking to them, and um, you know, won't shut up basically, and nobody else is talking. He's just like talking directly to these. The cousins and then he kind of looks down at their boots and says, oh those are great boots and he sees the skulls and I've done a little bit of research and I I can't kind of make um, a, a, an educated decision one way or the other if it's supposed to just be the sign of the cartel because it, it appears that when you, when you talk to some people it seems like it is and other people say it isn't but I think from the show's perspective I think that's what it's meant to tell us right is that by looking at those skulls on the boots that is the sign that they are part of the cartel I think is kind of what we're going for there um, but anyway that kind of shuts him up and he doesn't say anything else after that um and then the next thing we're kind of seeing is the you know we the kind of wide shot of this truck and you hear gunshots from inside the truck and and the kind of truck comes to a stop and you know he goes and looks the truck driver goes and looks out the back and kind of everybody's been shot and the 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 cousins then emerge and and shoot him and i love the kind of like they shoot him and he kind of tries to make a getaway and then they they shoot him again you know it's pretty brutal like very cold um and you see them kind of you know light up a cigarette and then shoot out the gas tanks on 
this truck and and uh, flick the cigarette at it, um, and then do the kind of superhero walk away as the the truck explodes look behind back him. Back explosion, super <laughs> yeah. cool when you look back. What's that song from? How does Is it that go? Team America? Oh, I feel Team like America it's South camera. Park. It's, it's yeah, one of yeah. those ones where it's like you know always look cool if you don't look back in explosion. <laughs> like I know we mentioned that in season one when he blew up the um, winning whatever his guy's name was. Oh uh, yes, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We need. Um, I wish we didn't like on a lot of our other shows. We play clips, and this is the one we're like, no, let's be copyright. Um, but I wish we could play that out because that's a great song. Well, um, uh, one of the things I love about this is that this was these guys' first day on set or something wow. crazy like that. And so basically, like, um, you know, Brian Cranston's directing this, and he's telling these two guys, one of which was never acted before, is like don't flinch, don't flinch, don't flinch, just keep walking because, you know, it's a practical set. This is, they really blew up a truck. Um, wow. So it's so it's not like this was done with CGI. Um, and, you know, like when you look at it, they're not that far away from that truck when it explodes, but they do not flinch. It's amazing. Like they just absolutely just keep walking like gangsters that they are. It's fantastic. Um, and then like also like you just see that like apparently he said like um, after he kind of, after they, they said cut, he's like, that shoe just flew right in front of me. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and you can see it on the shot. You can actually see like debris flying in front of them. Um, and then also, like, the other cool thing I love about it is that Brian Cranston was like, you know, take a few steps away, and after the explosion, like, take a drag on that cigarette, which is exactly what he does. And it's just, it's so so gangster. It's like I think the way he describes it in this this um, this little documentary on the on the Blu-ray was basically like it's just these two guys out for a walk in the park, like they're just acting like nothing else is going on. Like, yeah, it's it's so cool. Like, it's just yeah, it is just such a great capper on this episode. Um, and I just love the story behind it. You know that it is a real practical kind of shot with these two guys, one of which is completely green. And what an amazing performance for pe- people that don't speak to be able to just drop that kind of performance right off the bat like that. I just also wanted to uh, drop some trivia in here as well. True story. The truck driver and the kid in the car, uh, the truck, actually also Brian Cranston's daughters. So um, <laughs> the things you learn with a bit of research. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this whole family, it's a family affair for Brian yeah, Cranston. Well, if you're going to be the director, you might as well get everybody in there. Like the, well. one, of them, one of them gets to speak and the other ones get to get shot and exploded. Yeah. Yep. That, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, look, again, this is I, I Again, won't make the top five. This season's got enough of those. But, I mean, it's it's a fantastic shot. And this this is honestly, I think, one of those ones that you do remember. Like, this is one of those kind of sequences that you do. And just the way it's shot, like, that, that's the bit when he goes up to the truck driver and it's kind of such a long shot and you kind of just got that sound effect from, like, the distance. Like, if you were really in the desert and you hear that kind of, you know, gunshot. Like, it's so epic the way it's done. And, like... It kind of makes me happy that one of these guys never acted because it's just so good. I mean, there's not, not that you're doing a lot of acting, but I mean, at the same time, like, they are acting by not saying anything and kind of looking like these badasses. I mean, for God's sakes, if I'm having to walk away from a truck exploding, I'm shitting myself. Like, I mean, I'm sure even Meryl Streep, well, not Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep's amazing, but other people would probably shit themselves with that explosion going on. But um, yeah, it's epic. Like, it's such a great scene. And again, like, we've talked up these villains in this show. Like, we're talking up Gus and. We've seen nothing of Gus right now. I'm probably spoiling it for Colin and all our first time. This is like, what are you talking about? This guy's just a nice chicken chop man. Like, why is he such a badass? Like, this is maybe the most badass thing we've seen from any villain in this show. I mean, Crazy 8 didn't really do much. I mean, still a great villain. Obviously, Tuco did a few things. But, I mean, these guys literally just murdered a truck full of, of people sneaking over the border. Poor old gummy Sam running away. And then just blow it up and burn it and walk off without even looking behind them. I mean, that is just... 
pure badassery. So, um, yeah, it's epic. It's a great way to end this episode. Yeah, I, I just love it. And I think you're right. It is just one of those kind of, um, you know, like gifable moments, I suppose, that, you know, like when you're thinking about the show, you kind of remember cousins are kind of a little bit underrated really in terms of, of how good they are you know like i think they are just like such a menace and they arrive at the right time on the show i think you know like just to up the tension a little bit that you know like if, if walt's getting a bit too big for his boots here come these guys that are after him and i like that it kind of draws us back into stuff that we may have forgotten which i'm not going to spoil but you know like stuff that happens earlier on on the show we're kind of bringing it full circle so yeah i, I really enjoy that so yeah i, I think it's a great way to end the, end the episode and, and that can kind Kind of take us straight into our our ratings for this one so um I'm, i'll let you go first is it going to be a, a buy a rent or a bin for you on hmm. this one look i'll be absolutely honest with you i went into this thinking i was going to rent this episode uh but i think talking about it has made me buy it um because in talking it out and realizing what's in this episode it's it's not a rental like this is a good episode the one thing i'll say with it though is that it's not an episode that in a season's time i'm going to go oh that like maybe the blowing up scene at the end yes but like i also feel like this is kind of it's a good forgettable episode, if that makes sense. And kind of, I feel we've got this bit of a trend in the last two seasons where the premiere episode has, you know, not been super amazing. Um, so I'm going to buy it and I'll give my rating where I'm ranking it in just a second. I won't steal your thunder. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a buy for me too. And I actually probably am a little bit higher on this episode than you are. I think obviously the scene that we've just talked through is amazing. But I think also just the importance of Skylar having all the information now about what Walt's been up to, I think it makes it an important episode that you want to see, you know, because you get some important information. Um, and I think probably just it's one of those ones where I think if you're somebody that digs into kind of commentaries and, and behind the scenes stuff, there's lots of interesting stuff about how they made this, this particular episode that makes it a fun one to watch um so yeah I, I probably enjoy it more than most just because i'm a, i'm a little bit geeky and have, and have you know gotten into some of the nitty-gritty of this episode more so you're basically than calling me dumb somewhat. nick thanks thanks a lot nick because i'm dumb and i can't do extra things i get it you know i thought i was fancy this week because i worked out i put subtitles on i couldn't understand what brian cranston's daughter was saying but no because i don't read the book and listen to the commentaries all right yeah well i bought that steel book and bought these books for a reason you know i better i better actually put it into into use um, so, so you're like, saying then that I'm the smart one on our 24 recaps because I've got the official guide. Suck it, Colin. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm, I'm absolutely saying that. Absolutely. I can read, Colin. <laughs> the joke on Double Oz 7 isn't funny anymore. It's different on the Oz Network. <laughs> but I've got this at number nine, um, which is it's actually sandwiched between the last two episodes from season two. Uh, I had Phoenix above it at number eight and ABQ underneath it at 10. Um, so I've kind of got it in between those two. So um, wow. yeah, and it's sitting in my top 10 at the moment. It's um, I'd, I'd say it's not going to stay there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really like this episode. I think it's great. Interesting. You and I have been very close on our episodes, and this is going to be the biggest discrepancy. I've got this at 17th. This is my lowest buy. Uh, so, yeah, wow. This is our first time we've really been very different on that one. And I'm actually looking at the Ringer, ringer.com, Breaking Bad Episodes ranking. Uh, they've also got this quite low, too, actually. They've got this at 54th out of 62 episodes. Wow. So, um, yeah. So, this is the, what, the eighth, the ninth worst episode, according to the Ringer. So, very interesting. Hmm. Oh, that is interesting. Um, well, I mean, we'll go on to another episode that um, 
probably isn't an absolute barn uh, barn burner. Um, I think it's. I think there's lots of sneaky stuff to love about the next episode. Um, but um, and we've talked a little bit about some of it, which is kind of that that fun kind of humour element to it. I think. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to talking about that stuff. Um, but but yeah, I I think it's probably not one of the absolute greats either. Um, but I I do think there is some cool stuff in it too. So um, you know, kind of I think some of the Jesse stuff and you know, like I remember going to go back to season one and I kind of criticized that that kind of the episode I think it was Cancer Man which was the one that I've rented you know which was about um, Jesse's family and I'm a little bit annoyed that they're not major players but here they are they're back and so you know we are going to see more of Jesse's Jesse's family um, they're not major players but it's not a you know the episode one so that season one episode is suddenly not feeling quite so on its own anymore. It does feel like there is some payoff for that later on. And this is the later on, I suppose. So yeah, there is some stuff here to enjoy. I do think. I love the, like I just, again, as I keep saying, like just as a fan of Jesse, I'm just appreciating more and more and more. So I, I, I like the Jesse stuff, but we've talked a lot about how this show doesn't use um, well-known songs. Next episode, <laughs> we get a, I'm just, I'm just, I'll leave it at that. Shall I? Um, But yeah. I actually really like next week's episode. Again, the second viewing helped me a lot more of it. But, um, I mean, it's so tense the way it ends. Really, I remember watching that for the first time. Going, Holy crap, like what's going to happen? And I will say there is a very unintentionally famous scene in this episode, which, again, probably won't make the top five. But I want to fight for it in the top five because of the history around it and what it's led to. Because it's, it's, I, I know you're Mr. Behind-the-scenes smarty pants, <laughs> but I want to talk about kind of what this one scene led to uh, from what it happened in real life. Like Vince Gilligan had to step in because of this one scene. It's like it's hilarious to think that this one scene led to what it led to. So yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind next week's episode. Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, that, that is a really kind of funny backstory to that particular scene as well. So you know, there there is some some quite cool stuff to actually work through, um, and I think probably laying a few tracks for for future. episodes as well so I think sometimes these first couple of of episodes have to do a bit of heavy lifting for some of the others that that come after it and so I always try and think about that that you know that that they are kind of setting stuff up that the other episodes will get to pay off later on and everybody loves pay off more than set up you know so I do always try and and put things into a little bit of of kind of um, context I suppose for where they fall in the season even though while I'm trying to make sure I I weigh each episode up individually in terms of how much I enjoy it so yeah so I I, I guess um, what I'm saying is that there's definitely stuff to enjoy about next week's episode and, and I look forward to getting to it then I guess in the meantime make sure you're uh, following us on all the usual kind of social network um, places that uh, if you want to chuck us a few bucks for Patreon and hear even more of our drivel you're, you're more than welcome to do that um, you know, look forward to hearing any um, feedback that you've got about the show but uh, I guess until we come back to you next week it's uh, it's been my, my pleasure our pleasure to bring you this episode um, my name's Nick and uh, let me out of here before I throw up and my name is Ben and hey honey uh, you, you want another waffle thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher Google Podcasts or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider and while you're there please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback you can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. 
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)